Now, where did I put it? Hmm. Ah, here it is. Welcome to the Toolbox. Tools for life and everything in between. Stuff you can use or toss, it's up to you. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 7. This is actually going to be episode 7 and 8. Uh, I had to split them up just due to the fact that we talked on length uh, and uh, had a really great conversation. So I hope you enjoy this one as well as the next one in a couple of weeks. Thanks. Hey everybody, thanks again for uh, tuning in. I think this is episode 7 now, so I'm just going to kick right off because I got a couple here who are just awesome and I can't wait to, for them to introduce themselves. So we're going to kick it off. Who are you and what is your military background? Hey everybody, um, my name is Brittany. Um, I served just over six and a half years with uh, PPCLI um, as an infantryman. Um, I did some time in Charlie Company and then um, once our family started to grow, I moved up to uh, Ops uh, through Combat Support. And Arthur, if you want to. Uh, yeah, hello. I uh, belong to 2VP, uh, Charlie Company, um, into on the job training with Recky, into a door gunner position, which was awesome for the Weight Squadron. Uh, back. New Battalion Bravo Company deployment to Kabul, um, which was uh, fantastic and amazing to be a part of, uh, into Kingston GMT cell, um, teaching to uh, uh, released uh, medically, um, just moral PTSD uh, from Afghanistan. And uh, yeah, uh, that's where I'm at right now. That's awesome. I, you know, I worked with 2VP for my tour in 08, and they were fucking awesome. Just straight up awesome. Can't say enough about those guys. So the real question, what do you guys do now? We've had some serious adventures since we got yeah. out. Um, so I guess the first kind of big thing that happened is uh, Arthur had this idea and vision of starting his own uh, clothing line. And then that kind of fed into opening a fitness facility um, that was geared towards ill and injured uh, veterans, first responders um, who were dealing with um, mental health complications from service. Um, so we we rode that pony until November last year. Um, just I'm sure a lot of people are familiar. Um, owning and operating your own business is extremely difficult, especially when you have you know two small children and a family to look after. So. Um, so we made the tough but necessary decision last year to to shut down shop, and uh, I'm I've been in school now for gone back to school to do my bachelor's in uh, business administration um, with a specialty in marketing. So um, that's what I'm doing right now, and I'm going into my third year this September. And Arthur's working with uh, a business called Soul Academy. Uh, wellness. Yeah, uh, I train, I motivate. Just, uh, I just like to help people. I spent my entire life with physical fitness, and physical fitness has been the cornerstone of my mental health. And then, so Edgewood. So Edgewood was fantastic. Helped me process a lot. Uh, helped me discover self. Sit with pain, um, and uh, just know I am not my thoughts. So it was great. So physical fitness and Edgewood really helped me. So. I just I just motivate people. I just do my best to help 
in whatever capacity I can in the community. You know, that's what we really need, I think, especially for veterans. I, I've had this conversation many times uh, for guys that are guys and gals that have gotten out and they're just they don't really know what to do. And I'm like, you got to start at the very minimum with yourself. And at the at the very basics of that is the physical side of it. And if you uh, are feeling physically okay, then you can lead into everything else. You know, I had a episode three I did with Major Mark Campbell. And we just talked about pain specifically, and it was really enlightening. Just the how much pain can overtake your entire psyche <laughs> if you let it. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a tough it's a tough thing to deal with when you have chronic pain. So that was the Iron King, right? That's what uh, the gym you guys had. Right. Yeah, uh, I saw some some pictures of that, and I really wish I was in Kingston because I would have been there every day. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a pretty spot and um we definitely made a big impact on the community here um and the people who really got it really got it um and you know people who didn't then it just wasn't a space for them to thrive in but uh we're pretty proud of you know, the sacrifice that we made um opening that space I'm pretty proud of the people who really took advantage of really challenging themselves mentally and physically to make themselves a better version of themselves despite uh, their pain or their trauma. Um, so it was pretty incredible watching uh, that growth happen in people. And I think I think for us, it was just an incredible experience. And um, the fact that we, you know, it's, not, it's, it's funny to joke about, but like our marriage survived opening a business. <laughs> so that was pretty, yep. pretty cool. <laughs> that's awesome so now what would your what do you guys say is your your major takeaway you guys obviously you're saying you you had the business you're dealing with each other you're dealing with your own traumas you're dealing with your kids you're dealing with all this other stuff what would be your major takeaway from the business side of it to pass on to anybody else uh, uh can yeah, I take go, this yeah one? go for it okay so i built this business um when i was also not even healed and I had a lot of fear and um, scaredness in my body when I left the military because we were trained to be hypervigilant. So I didn't want to bring any of that world to anyone. So I was not a boss. I created a gym as an experiment to see if a utopia could come from leading by example without ordering and. Uh, trying to influence just through like seeing the work. Yeah. Um, that is not the way to run a successful business because people will <laughs> not pick up on that and it will crush your soul and suck the life from you. Um, so the takeaway from that I learned is I know my strengths are to, I know my strength and my, weaknesses are not admin and I was not a prepared boss and um, I'm not even educated I don't even have high school I'm very good physically but mentally I have a hard time and uh, takeaway was either go to school if you can't go to school hire people to do the managing from you and save your money and get investors right away yeah also went into this business hoping that people would join in with me and I would create a team and that didn't happen at all because as well, I didn't have the courage to set my boundaries because I didn't want to bring the army into this new world. So 
just learned from that set boundaries know your strengths know your weaknesses if you're not educated don't start a business serious hire somebody because there's so much um admin that you need to learn and be taught to ensure that a you don't get audited you don't get destroyed that way you know how to read lease agreements you know that way you have the courage to hire and fire to kick people out of your space that's another thing i had hard time was with disciplined people um, I also owned a gym and I, in this utopia that I wanted to create, I allowed people just to train other people because I wanted them to experience a safe place, but that sucked money from us, uh, because we were unable to then have people hire our trainers that are in the building to create one unified culture culture. So there's many split cultures within my gym. And so, um, yeah, get educated um if you have a great idea find people to invest in uh just don't jump into it because if you're not ready for it people aren't going to invest in you that way so that's what i learned that's that's fantastic that's some that takes a lot of humility to be able to admit and to recognize and then admit your own weaknesses and then actually hire someone or uh, recognize that you you can't do it all i mean that's such a such an army thing to do right it's like Oh yeah, I can take it. Yeah, there's no worries. I can do it all. Yeah, no problem. I can do that. Oh yeah, I can do that. <laughs> and you realize, shit, I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. You're exhausted and you work, you know, 16 to 20 hours a day and you're like, what have we done? Yeah. But yeah, I would agree with that. That education, like it's, it kind of goes along with literally anything you want to do in your life, right? Like if you, you get out of the military and then you know, you're just, I, I think one of our biggest mistakes was we didn't take time. Um, we didn't, um, we were so consumed by just the only thing we knew was to work. Yeah. So when, once we got out and like, it was quiet, you know what I mean? Like we were like, okay, well, what's the next step? What do we need to do? And then we just kind of like jumped into this new venture um, without really arming ourselves with information before diving right it's uh it's such a again it's such a military thing to do is that uh, oh i'm not doing anything there there's got to be some work to do right yeah. some, there's there's got to be something where the heck is it somebody tell me what to do i need to do something i, yeah. I had the same issue when i first got out and i was constantly like training to uh school to working with horses to working with and i was neglecting my own self so that I could stay busy, so I didn't have to deal with myself. Well, because if you're busy, then your mind isn't yelling at you all the time, right? So yeah. it's, you're crowding your brain and, and distracting yourself with something that's taking up 98% of your time, effort, and energy, so that you don't have the time, effort, or energy to put into thinking about, you know, why, where, how did I get to this point? And not being uh, truthful with yourself of what your body and your brain actually needs, which is just some self-compassion and some and a break like it just needs to be like yo dude you need to slow down for five minutes and let's reassess where we're at please and thank you i liken it to those those stupid ass long rock marches where you know there's you're set for like a certain distance they say okay everybody we're gonna walk 10k today and you off you go and as you come up to the 10k they're like you know what we're gonna walk an extra five and you're like, whoa, wait, what? what? <laughs> like your brain, it needs time to actually conceptualize that you were walking 15. You know, you can keep going, obviously. And, you know, all of us did. But I always found I was more tired after an addendum ruck than if I were just to walk 15. 
I think it's the mental aspect of being prepared for it or not. And your spirit is like a thousand percent broken. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. As you watch the building walk as you walk past the building, you're just like, ah, there it goes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um you guys retired a while ago now, eh? It's been yeah, twenty fifteen for me and twenty seventeen for Arthur. Okay, so a few years at least. How was your transition? Like when you actually got out, how was it? It was good. Um, I was really blessed. I had a great chain of command um, that assisted me with everything. Uh, JPSU was great. Uh, that aspect was really nice. I had trouble with uh, SISIP and VAC because, again, my admin skills. Uh, I was uh, I was blessed and uh, grateful for the clerks because they helped us with all the paperwork. Um, even mm-hmm. as a jack, people there was lots of people helping me with my memos if I was doing. Uh, PER write-ups for the section. I had people there to help with my grammar and spelling and uh, SIRS to red pen it and then I just redo it. So that was really a blessing. So I had a hard time then not having that and just in the admin world alone and uh, life blessed with like just streamline everything's taken care of. Here's your paycheck, the mess fees come off of it, your PMQ fees come off of it. Yay, no bills. Like I just existed. And then civilian world is like, oh, there it all is. Yep. So I had a hard time with that. I had a hard time um hard time getting rid of my ego and seeing that civilians didn't give um or understand. Not that didn't give, they don't get, they don't understand, and they don't know. Uh in our case, in my case, the infantry lifestyle. Yeah. which is very unique, and I loved it very much uh, when I was in it. It was a warm safety blanket. Um, I fit all very well, um, but when you're outside of it, um, our mannerisms, our way of speaking, our way of acting is completely foreign to people, and so I had a hard time connecting with people. Um, I'm kind of getting better at that. I'm putting myself out there uh, more to actually like get out. Um, yeah, my transition was just strange and i'm still in a strange limbo too because i am um physically in my prime as well still like still training hard uh strong mentally i am different and more vulnerable because i comfortable with that vulnerability i'm 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 comfortable with my fears and joys my sadnesses uh, my excitement i'm able to process that stuff better so i'm still like now Mentally, I'm learning what people may have learned, you know, at young 20s. I'm still mentally learning how to operate the world. Absolutely. That's a, um, I was going to say one of the major difficulties for pretty much every, I would say the infantry for sure, but combat arms uh, as well. We have a way of being and it, it almost, if you were to sit like a dude in a room with a bunch of civilians, it would be so hard just to sit there and listen to them talk <laughs> at the beginning absolutely. after time and you know once you uh, you acclimate to it i i've uh, i've said this a couple times too in that we live in such a microcosm of the canadian culture yes. our time in it is the world it like the whole world is this microcosm so we don't interact very much outside that microcosm and then you get out and you're surrounded by you know, 34 million odd Canadians and we're in a small little bubble of say 600,000, you know, uh, vets and serving. 
and we expect everyone else to just figure it out. Like, why can't you all just be like me when we are a very small microcosm and we need to adapt to our situation rather than people adapting to us? I think that's where, I think that's where when, when we're transitioning, I feel like it's important because I feel like part of the narrative in the transition period is that we expect people or like we just go back out into the world and just expect things to carry on the way they were when in actuality it's on us to kind of empathize with the fact that people don't understand us because like there are studies right now that are happening that are trying to classify military culture as its own subculture you know what i mean yep. so it's like we speak a different language we conduct ourselves a certain way but then when you get when you take your uniform off and you hang it up that last time you can't it's not that you can't go back to that it's just you're you're not in kansas anymore <laughs> so yeah. it's like you have to adapt and overcome this new sound in your life or you're gonna think that's just the way it is you have to adapt or it's you know you're gonna run into a lot of trouble that's totally in, accurate. In, it's okay so like when i joined i was 17 when i joined so i was just a baby and infantry basically raised me through some of my most like vulnerable years of teenagehood slash early 20s, right? Yeah. So when I got out, it was like, I didn't even have that time in my life where like kids my age were like going out to the bar and like doing that, like doing that kind of experience stuff like a civvy way when like I just learned how to do it the army way. Yeah. But when I got back into civilian life, like I didn't, I had no way to just reach out to the girls that I went to high school with, or like the people that I was friends with before, because I was a completely different human being, and where everybody was still at, it was really hard. So I ended up just making new friends because it was really hard to go back to those old relationships. Absolutely, and it, we were looking at it through a completely different lens as well. Like there's. I could count on one hand the amount of friends I have, civilian friends from before I was in the military to now. And really I have like one or two that I talk to regularly, but that's about it. Uh, but that, you know, it's just, that's a difficult part of when, again, we live in that microcosm, right? <clears throat> and one of the other things, Arthur, you, uh, you'd mentioned was the lack of admin and the, the, the almost the expectation of things uh, being taken care of. And I, I hear this all the time from vets, from guys getting out that, uh, you know, they, they never, they didn't really understand how to, like, where, who do they talk to to get a doctor? And who do they talk to about uh, getting gas hooked up? And, like, they never had to deal with these things because they left home where their parents paid for everything. And they joined the army where the army paid for everything. <laughs> and then you're just, you're all of a sudden, you know, late 20s and you have no idea how anything works. And I actually, when my son was, getting ready to go to school my oldest it was a couple of years ago now uh my wife's like you know we have to register him for school and i was like what what do you mean what what what, what what's this registering thing i thought we just like would drop them off the <laughs> on the first day and that's it later i had no clue that that was even required so it, it it's a hilarious thing but it is a, it's a very real real thing that we have to uh be aware of and we need to teach the young privates, the young sappers, the young troopers how to do that admin stuff. Because when I was, I got lucky enough that when I went to uh, the, when I came back from overseas, I got put in as a troop clerk. So I just had to figure out 
how to do all the admin. And then I went to the intelligence cell and I had to write reports and I had to deal with the, the upper echelon. So I got really lucky in the fact that I learned the admin side of it very early. Uh, whereas I know guys who, you know, they're sergeants and the only real admin they've ever had to do is write PRs and PDRs. Well, I think we're kind of babied in a sense too, right? Where we have. That's good. Yeah. Cause I'm going to speak on that from my yeah. perspective. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad I was, I was 100% babied in that aspect because I didn't and still don't have the mental maturity to do that uh, well. I get like straight up headaches when reading. I'm dyslexic. Like that stuff sends like I get physical pain from that admin. I'll do it. But I was glad when I was a younger man that was there so I can focus on just being super fit, uh, knowing battle procedures, knowing uh, what's in my uh, tent group. Uh, and what's in my lab, you know, I can yeah. focus on that one aspect. And I was always blessed and thankful that uh, my chain of command always saw it in me. That's like, not he's not the admin one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He can sweep. He's a good sweeper and do the yeah. tables and clean yeah. the weapons and pick up the, the crew tent and carry it on his back on top of his rock because that's, that's what I'm good at. Well, that's one of the things about the military, too, is that we, we build our sections ideally on that fact right you the the big dude is probably going to be the six gunner okay great <laughs> the uh the really small dude who's really uh quick he's probably going to go on recce the you know it's not a an absolute given uh given sentiment but we can we can build our teams using what the skills everybody has right a good sergeant's going to be like okay well you know arthur may not be good at admin but damn, he's good with a nine or, you know, he's great with the M203. Give him a fucking grenade. He'll be happy. That's how you always tell the difference between good leadership and shit leadership because the guys who had their platoons wound tight and used that logical thought process to build their sections and their platoons, those were the ones that you wanted to work for and then got everybody else. Yeah, yeah it was always funny in the engineer uh, squadrons when we were working up for tours and people would like you'd see all these memos come in like I want to switch sections to this section or I want to switch troops to the other one and it was always because that one section had a great sergeant or that uh, the other platoon warrant was fantastic things like that yeah so uh, moving on here you guys I asked this for everybody I, uh, I I talk to on this podcast one piece of advice for transition if you could tell yourself something during to go over your transition to make it easier, what would you say? First, yeah, I have it like immediately popped in my head. Um, my biggest piece of advice is don't. Um, how do I word this properly? It was just in my head. <laughs> um, you are you are a veteran now, and you have an incredible amount of skill sets and experiences that are valuable. And for I, I really breaks my heart when I see somebody who I had a lot of respect for, um, that had a lot of, of really cool, unique skills, um, that had so many cool experiences get out and feel like they're worth nothing out here. So my piece of advice is, um, take a really good hard look in the mirror and remember that you have skills and experiences that people are craving that businesses and companies and employers and organizations are dying for 
in civilian world. So absolutely, please just remember that. That is such a good point. Uh, and my advice for myself is uh, conquer the world. Stop. I just yelled at myself. <laughs> <laughs> I think we put too much pressure on ourselves when we get out to like attack the next bound so quickly. Yeah. And that was one of our, our biggest things that in reflection of the couple of years that we've spent out, we put so much pressure on ourselves to get to the next level when in reality there is no next there is level. No there is level. No You're running a marathon, homie. Like you do this till you die now. That's right. You just know what I mean? Chill. So just enjoy your chill. life and really at the end of the day it's not going to matter and you just your level of happiness and where you're at in your life and your ability to sit with yourself and be proud of who you are what you've done and how far you've gotten is a huge deal so like stop putting so much pressure on yourself enjoy things and remember how valuable you really are those are those are fantastic points and really i mean grace just giving yourself being gracious to yourself is yeah. such a key thing right it and it comes from our training because everything in our training is like, if you don't get this done, people die. If you don't make this timing, people die, right? And you get uh, <laughs> you get out and people aren't dying, right? Like, if you don't hand that paper in on time, you lose 10%, right? Like, it's going to be okay. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, you got to be gracious to yourself. That's a, that's a huge, huge point. I uh, thank you guys for bringing that up because it... So perfect. Uh, any any big plans? You got anything in the future? You got ideas? You got uh, goals? Anything that people should be aware of? I mean, like, yeah. Um, I have one. You, you go, go you, well, you go ahead. I, I just spoke a lot. You go ahead. <laughs> uh, mine's super easy. My goal, I, I went on to, to Twitch. So in from my basement, I can connect with... Uh, people and I just want to show them like of accepting help um, and I learned a lot from that uh, I'm gonna shout out Edgewood again Edgewood was a fantastic place I did nine weeks there of trauma therapy um, and I was with uh, alcoholics and uh, addicts I was in their classes as well and my brain was very much similar and I was very blessed that I didn't go to alcohol or drugs so I'm on Twitch. My pl my game plan is to like create just like a kind of a show um, where I just share my vulnerable self and hopefully it inspires others. So that's my game plan. And then to chill at home and make sure I groom my dogs and care for my children and clean the floors properly. <laughs> like that's honestly like that's it for yeah. me. I statement. I don't think that's crazy at all. That's fantastic. That's you want to teach others through your example that is the pinnacle of leadership i think that's fantastic uh Brady? And i guess for me uh i started going back to school uh was it 2017 so i'm going into year three of my bachelor's degree um which is pretty awesome i, I was a little skeptical at first because my entire motivation for going back to school for business marketing was because we had the gym and you know that piece that we talked about a little bit earlier about arming yourself with information and making sure that you've got your shit wound tight before you dive headfirst into something yep. so we kind of did things a little bit backwards opened the business and then we were like oh shit we don't know what we're doing so we had to like educate ourselves through youtube university and stuff and then 
when we got to the point where things at one point were looking like they were going really, really well and we wanted to, you know, expand our service offering, move into a bigger space and do all this other really ambitious stuff. Um, we were like, holy moly, like we need to. And we got, we got on that real quick too. People do not have faith in a concept. So yeah. like our gym idea and the execution, uh, if we expanded it, we'd still be open because we'd have more space to give people space. Yeah. But like we had three landlords in Kingston totally ghost us. Yeah. Um, wow. We had everything, uh, business plan, um, our phases, like a good uh, smask. Uh, and we gave it to these landlords. They were all gung ho until like signing the lease, the new lease to yeah. say like, this is great. We'll begin this. They just ghosted us. Yeah. And that felt so bad. That hurt me so bad because, uh, the first time it didn't bother me. The second time it didn't really bother me. The third time it was like do or die for our business because I started small, uh, square footage. Mm -hmm. Um, and all the other gyms in Kingston were honestly so like, they were like, frightened by us so they stepped up their game so i had to step up my game like all the time and yeah. i was in a small small space anyway so they totally ghosted us and that's the education piece they didn't yeah. like who am i i'm infantier like x yeah. who wants to help veterans and most of these landlords like they they, they say like oh, we support the troops but they don't know troops yeah they don't know that we physically and mentally hurt and we like they don't know what hypervigilance is and the concept of like eat going into a mall frustrating somebody like that sounds yeah. ridiculous possibly not generally not universally to others when not suffering with those symptoms um so they didn't get it and they ghosted us so i'm gonna put that out there so be careful out there veterans Call your admin again do that education piece first because you will get ghosted yeah that, so that was like why we decided like i was gonna go back to school and like i was on the the back rehab program anyway yep. um and looking to go back to school so um that just made sense and then i got super duper lucky because it turns out that i actually really enjoy the content and the um the stuff that i've been learning and i'm good at it which is also super cool so yeah. The next steps for me are just like find that big sexy job and make some money. <laughs> yeah. You know, I uh, I just yeah. I just finished my business diploma last year and it uh, it was all fun and games right up until I had to do accounting and then I was like smashing my head against the wall. I just like I um, hate it. That gets you. <laughs> oh, please, man, I can't do this. <laughs> it it is one of those things that you just especially for combat arms people, I don't know why we just like I, I wanted to strangle somebody while I was in there. <laughs> just like I couldn't handle. That's an oh. password puzzle you just can't finish because you're just like, I just don't know. Yeah, exactly. Anymore. Oh man, it's it's painful. Okay, so the reason I have you guys on here today is I want to talk to you two specifically about living with trauma because it is very challenging. And as much as I would love to sit down and talk with my wife about it, I don't know if she'll be completely honest because her and I would be talking to each other. <laughs> not, not that she would lie to me, but I think she would try to spare my feelings every once in a while. But so I, I I'm glad that I have you guys on here and uh, really discuss this. So I think we already, we talked about this, you know, living with trauma and being gracious with yourself, but how do you guys get to a point where you're gracious with each other? 
Uh, that one is really unique because we also had a unique dynamic that I was a master corporal uh, and Brittany was a corporal and we were both infantiers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when we left the army, like, w- like I saw Brittany as an infantier. So my mannerisms and the way I spoke to Brittany was to my com- a comrade in arms. Right. And Brittany was rediscovering herself. I was still had a mask. Um, I had a mask of uh, illusion of being an infantier. Yeah. Still, sorry, my son distracted me. Um, <laughs> I lost my. Oh, he wanted popcorn. <laughs> like, no, you can't have popcorn in the middle of this interview. Um, it's okay. I call it the face when you have to put it on just to look normal. Yeah. So, like, I like so I kept that face. So I was I was harsh. I wasn't compassionate um, to what was needed uh for you know my female uh life partner so i didn't know how to be compassionate in the graceful arts in the in the caring and compassionate and the empathetic way so i had to i had to learn that so that was one of my first obstacles was my love language how can i change that that Brittany knows that i see her not as an infantier but now as a woman that's really important that was my yeah. first option. Uh, I think for me, it, it was um, uh, effort-based. So I always saw and was very aware. Even in like the early days of when you know, when we were first trying to put a label on what was going on in our lives at home, um, Arthur never, ever didn't try. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think we both recognize that in each other, is that we are constantly both trying to be better people. And I know for me, like, I I might not say it to him all the time, but, like, I see how hard he works and I see how um, how hard it can be on him sometimes. And But at the end of the day, it's just effort, right? It's kind of like when we were in battalion as the people who really tried and made an effort were respected. So it's, it kind of works off of that. And, like, we're both proud of each other for mm-hmm. all the obstacles we both overcome. Or like we'll be married ten years in December. That's awesome. Congrats, yeah. uh, pre-congrats or December. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's a very hard thing, right? I mean, I had to. I do the same thing. Uh, Arthur was when I came back from the army. I was actually on IR in Meaford, so I had lived apart from my wife for probably uh, just under two years. And I mean, I visited, but we weren't like living together. I was in me first. She was here in Edmonton and I had to relearn how to be a husband. I had to relearn how to be, uh, you know, a, a good father. I had to re- like my son was five months old when I got out. So I had to learn how to do everything all at once. And uh, it is a very, very difficult process to relearn how to be a partner, especially when you're kind of on your own or you're looking at someone as uh, as a comrade rather than a partner. Now, one of the things that I, I do is I have what I call non-negotiables, and they are my, these are the things that I have to have for me uh, to be stable, I guess, <laughs> if, if I'm not very stable to begin with. But anyway, the, um, like, jujitsu is one of them. I have to go to jujitsu. I have to do my jujitsu. I have to be able to get some sort of a workout in, even if it's just like a, a stretch or uh, something like that, or um, I need to have some time to to really focus whether that is doing the podcast or uh, working on the walk for veterans or doing um, 
I don't know, something outside the house. I need to like focus on something outside the house. And those are the three things that are, those are my non-negotiables. I can't, if I don't have those things during the day, then I'm just an asshole. Do you guys have something similar or do you guys have like a preset timings or plans where you just say, Hey, I need some time or have like a safe word or something. <laughs> say Radishes and then fuck <laughs> off. Right. I don't know. Um, no, I think, I think like one of the biggest things, like since, especially since Arthur got back from Edgewood is that we've both just come to the conclusion that we're also different people. Right. So like we've been through more, like we've gone in our, in our decade of being together, we have experienced things that most people don't experience in a 75 year marriage. Like we, we have, Oh my God, it's been like, a 10 round bout of just like <laughs> fighting to, you know, be our best selves and be our best you know, married couple and be the best parents that we can be and stuff like that. Right. And like every marriage has that, but like for us, our situation's a little bit unique in the nature just of our marriage. Right. But I know like for us, our biggest thing in the past year is just both of us understanding that we're different people and that's, that goes with any marriage, but I'm very social. I, I like to go out. I like to talk to people. I like to, um, you know, I enjoy a beverage every once in a while. I'm a, a waitress downtown at one of the, the restaurants downtown. So I enjoy that very like fast paced, uh, chaotic setting. Um, where Arthur is a totally different human being. So oh, yes, I like solidarity. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I like, I, that's why I like my stream too. I'm more comfortable stream showing my physical uh like teaching my uh lessons uh than in the gym because uh i find it i find it hard to be around people so we yeah that was a big thing for us because Brittany always wants to go out so then me uh especially in the early stages being taken away from my like only safe spot my home yeah. would cause me to well just not be kind i wouldn't be like nice you I just weren't happy just not happy, just I'm, not not, happy. I'm not happy mm -mm. so like our non-negotiables are like i would say and you can like correct me if i'm wrong here but i would say communication is like our biggest one that if we've both made each other a promise that if we have beef we say our beef and we just put it out there and you know sometimes that's like oh shit i didn't realize that's how you felt and other times it's like okay let's do this and like you know like any other married couple we have our row and then you know we resolve things but we never let it go you know what i mean like we just if we have a problem with what's going on or um with the way things are being done or whatever we immediately address it like Ooh, but but here's the one thing that learns why non-negotiable non though is the gym but also, uh, Brittany likes to uh, try to fix the problem right away. Uh, but because of my trauma, I go to my reptilian brain yes. very quickly. So then Brittany outsmarts me, which causes me anger, <laughs> which then causes me to have a tantrum, tantrum like a child. So I've been trying to teach Brittany. It's like, if I say 20 minutes, you've got to give me 20 minutes. Not because yeah. I'm pissed off, but because I need my brain to literally catch up so that I can share um, my perspective clearly on an argument issue and then be able to hear Brittany, Brittany's perspective clearly without judgment to then find the root of the problem. So that's something we're still learning. Like that with is, the communication piece, 
that we both we both just give each other the benefit of the doubt. So like if I get the like red flag, I need 20 minutes, then I've learned to respect that and just be like, we're not getting anywhere with this unless we do that. And that comes with time and understanding. I'm not perfect, so I can't be on all the time. And, it, and vice on, versa, and right? Versa, so it's, you know, so sometimes it's like, okay, hey, let's just cut the head off the chicken and get it done. And then other times it's like, I need 20, but we both have the mutual respect for each other to be like, hey, I have to back off and we'll fix this in a minute. You know, you know? I think that's, it's quite hilarious because my wife and I are basically the, uh, the reverse of you guys. My, my wife does not like to be in front of anybody. She doesn't like to talk to anybody. She doesn't want to be in the spotlight. Now I'm not, I don't really actually like being around people. <laughs> I, I prefer to be by myself, but at the same time, I, I guess I'm good at it. So I have no problem speaking in front of crowds. I have no, like I enjoy getting into conversations. That's why I started the podcast. But, uh, the funny thing is, is that she is very much a, I need 10, 20 minutes. I need time to like, think about this and wrap my head around it and piece it out. And I'm just like, I want to smack, I'm a sapper, right? I'm just like, let's blow the fucking wall down. Figure out, let's do it right fucking now. Uh, but so yeah, I, I hear you guys. It's it's very difficult, especially from. I mean, for myself, I have a hard time because, Brittany, I'm like you. I I want to sort it out right now, and. I'm too much chicken in the head, and I'm like, hey, if there's a problem, we need to fix it like right now, and then we can move on, and my brain can go back to chaos. Exactly. You know what I mean. Yep. I have to focus on this one thing. And I like to keep my brain empty, so when there's things in it, it hurts. <laughs> it's a good way to do it. I like that. But uh, okay, yeah. But you know the uh, I, the one thing I love about inviteers, especially, uh, is you guys are the best at making fun of yourselves. <laughs> like a lot of the other units, we don't. We have to make fun of other people, like the strats. We make fun of them all the time. But ha- hanging out with the infantry guys, you guys will just bash on each other, and we can just sit there like. Exactly. It's fantastic. I love it. So, you know, one of the, the key points I always tell people, especially in relationships, is prioritizing yourself. And it's a very confusing thing to do for some people because you really, people want to, you know, they want to prioritize each other. They want to say, uh, I'll do whatever works for you guys, however you want to do it. But I find if you don't take that time for yourself, like when my wife, she'll go running or, um, you know, she's got work to do because she works from home right now. Go, She'll go down to the office and take that, like, take the time for herself to just focus on those things. Do you guys do something similar? Do you guys, like, specify oh, taking the time? Sure. Uh, yeah, and uh, with Brittany, it's, it's that social aspect. So she'll tell me, like, hey, like, I've been cooped up. Um, I'm going bananas. I'm going bananas. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, it's like, I don't text Brittany or she can go out like hang out with her friends I have no jealousy there's no issues there. so Brittany knows that she has uh, the social aspect she's safe to do it there's no judgment on my end and conversely when I say Brittany like yeah go go I need that time to myself so I can uh, sit and pet the dogs and just be in the quiet play my video games and you know what go to bed I love to go to bed early yeah. um, sleep hygiene is really important for my mental health living with trauma back to that kind of root question yeah. mm-hmm. um, sleep is really important for me um, very easily um, not physically but mentally my brain drains so midday I'm toast I didn't nap before this okay. so I'm like a, a child I go for naps during the day and yeah so my physical hygiene 
is my like my end all be all like it's that's what i need yep. to make sure that i have the mental energy i call it psychological capital and you know you got a nice one you only have so much of it right during the day and you need your sleep to get it to refill that capital or um you need to invest in yourself to refill that capital and it's something what i love about the term capital is that you can build on it right the the, the right. fitter you are the better you're going to be you're better mindset you're going to have that doesn't mean you need to be ultra fit and running you know crazy 100 kilometer ultra marathons or you know power lifter but fitness in general right in that physical run. exactly and then um i think it's just so important I, I i love the fact that you brought that up but yeah it's taking it taking a nap if you need it is it's important take it it'll help you out later even if it's 20 minutes or it's an hour do whatever is required to to make you a better person right i don't i don't know how i use jujitsu for that i like I don't know why, but getting beat up by other people seems to make me feel better. It's <laughs> really <laughs> special because it's water. So yeah. you're not getting beaten up. You're flowing. You're flowing together. You're, you're, the mind-body connection is there. And the joy of that mental chess is there. Oh, yeah. So definitely support that as a healthy alternative without rage. Yes. Because if we practice rage, then it's rehearsing it. We have to go into that really chill ego absolutely you have to be so mindful to do anything with it and i find the moment i start even when i'm like mid-roll the moment i start thinking about oh you know what i'm gonna pull this off i'm like i'm done i can't <laughs> i just get choked out so fast or i get thrown into armbar and uh whereas when i'm just moving things seem to work out quite well I, you know i found it very much like um uh like section attacks if you're thinking about where you need to go usually you're gonna get tripped up somewhere or it's not going to turn out the way it is. Yeah, because yeah. the section attack is good example. Is like super primal. You're just in it. Like up, he sees me down, listening. Like your ears are just on. Like everything's cracking around you. But as soon as that section commander two IC speaks, it's like you can hear them over anything. And it's like, oh, we're yeah. just in it. So yeah, I like that analogy. Just and we've all life. kind of like experienced that moment where we just let our bodies do what it's been needs trained to, to do. do. Right? Yeah, like we've nice just one. all had that moment where our minds are empty and our bodies Game just on. Move, you know. So yeah, I, I liken a lot of my stuff to military time, and I've 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 had to check myself a couple of times, and I'm like, oh god, I'm turning into that guy that can never. Like I've been out since thirteen now, and I talk about the army all the time. So. <laughs> I'm that guy who yeah. never lets it go. Got to talk about everything. Uh, but there's so many great points that you can relay from your time in if you if you think about it. So I'll just. Oh, yeah. And like textually, too, like you don't really need to um, think that I, I just never did. And I would say that that's probably a lot to do with the kind of military experience that I have. But like, I don't I don't tell people all the time that you know, like I'm a vet or I was in the military. I don't even, I barely ever talk about the fact that I was infantry. Yeah. Um, I don't know, probably mostly because I'm a chick to be honest with you. Because yeah. Cause Brittany says that I can, I can vouch and make yeah. her uh, validate her feelings. on that. I've seen people's looks and Brittany's like, I was infantry. They never believe her. Yeah. And like me and Brittany will be standing next to each other and like uh, tell the stories of even the Spartan X, like, and what we had to go through to complete just an exercise. Yeah. And then I say, yeah, but you completed that ex alongside me, like no problems. And uh, I saw her hamburger feet to prove it, but she never complained. 
have, but people don't believe Brittany because she is a, a, like a tiny woman. Um, so people just, I see the looks that they give her and it infuriates me because it's like you, like that is so ignorant. Yep. Anyway. Yeah. So we, yeah. like, I just don't talk about it all the time, but like, I always make sure that when it, when there's opportunity to talk about just experiences in a non-contextualized way, then I make sure that that uh, skill set or that uh, experience or that lesson that was learned is definitely communicated because they're so unique in their nature that mm -hmm. I feel like people learn so much from the stories that we have to share, but we're just not going to, like, I always find if like going back to school, for instance, there's lots of vets that go back to school. So I've had um, interactions with other vets that go to the same college that I do. And when they tell a story or an experience that they've had in the military, they're still using all the jargon and the language and yep. the referencing. And people are just like blinking at them being like, I have no clue what you just said. <laughs> what I mean? And then I like, translate it for them they're like oh okay and then i'm just like man i wish people ha could put that filter on their mouth uh, more often so that people could better i feel like we just get lost in translation sometimes yep yep you're absolutely right and um one of the other keys to that is the i think what arthur you were saying is that the it's an ego trip Right for a lot of people, especially civilians or even other military people, that would look at Brittany, who you know is not a, it's not that tall. Um, but I could see like bigger dudes looking at her, going, "Well, if she's capable of doing that," and then it like it it hits their own ego, and that's why they would be uh, ignorant about uh -huh. it. You know what I mean? And other women. So there's a I've seen women's looks that they've given Brittany. Oh yeah, and they're like, disgusted. They're like, "Why would you do that?" Well, not all of them, but. There's I've been instances it. where it's happened, and it, like it's whatever. At that oh, point. and then here's another one. Here's a unique thing. I'm gonna speak for Brittany on this one. Uh, is uh, within our associations, Brittany has a hard time fitting in because she doesn't fit in with the army wife. She right. doesn't fit in with infantier because of just the ego. Yep. Yeah, that's a tough one. And that actually leads right into the next uh, comment I was going to talk about. So I'm going to cut it off right there and we're going to uh, carry on with this conversation in a couple of weeks. And I hope everybody has enjoyed part one of Brittany and Arthur Laramie. And I look forward to bringing you the rest in two weeks. That concludes this episode of The Toolbox. I want to thank you for listening. I hope you were able to use some of the information that was offered. I want to thank all those putting it on the line for us every day. Military, veterans, first responders, and public servants. Keep up the good work. I look forward to bringing you more tools for your toolbox. And until next time, stay open, stay humble, and stay focused. Chimo. Chimo.